Hi, hello. Welcome to the Mavs Moneyball podcast. This is Josh Bowe, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyball.com. Joining me once again, my favorite guest, another fellow editor at the site, it is Kirk Anderson. Kirk, how are you doing on a somewhat late Tuesday evening? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. I'm 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 finding myself stirred by the idea of basketball, even though we have like a month and a half. I know, it's crazy. We are in the we are definitely in the doldrums of the off season right now. Uh, but before we get into it, I feel like we should do a little promo uh kirk you have joined the podcast hosting ranks you have a new podcast on our feed as you guys if you're listening to this you've surely seen uh kirk's first episode uh pop into your feed with uh, matt moore from the action network hp basketball himself kirk how's before we get into it you know kind of talk about what you're doing with the podcast and and promote it a little bit so i i didn't want to do a podcast for a really long time because i kind of consider myself uh, and I think like everyone other than my wife would agree with this, that I'm a little bit of a small doses person. Like if I'm on Twitter all day by like, you know, 45 minutes of talking, like seeing my tweets, you're like, oh God, this guy needs to go do something else. So I didn't really want to do a podcast where you guys have to hear from me that much just because one, I figured my takes would get old and two, I didn't really think I had that much to say. Um, but after, you know, podcasting with you and just kind of, you know, listening, I love the medium. I listen to podcasts all day long. I decided that I would give it a go in terms of just trying to talk to some of the people that I have met and uh, gotten to know over being on the internet for way too long. And I really wanted to do it with a, a host of people who are not Mavericks fans. Um, I think this is fairly normal for fan bases that are, that are, you know, super fans of the team, but I somehow get, I, I just get the opinion that our fans are a little bit cloistered. And we just have we've created a little bit of an echo chamber for ourselves. So whenever I, you know, I I have someone like Matt on who uh, is he hates everyone's team. That's the running joke. So like hearing hearing his (laughs) thoughts about why the Mavericks could potentially have a rougher season than we're hoping was at least interesting. Now I, I really do hope to kind of balance any sort of, you know, pessimism with with optimism. I'm gonna have I have a, you know, I have at least 20 guests in my head right now that I want to try to talk to, which, you know, would kind of put us through the end of the, the year, really. Um, I know we're on this feed. We're going to try to be a lot more consistent once the season starts. We have a lot of ideas of what, what we want to do. So, you know, that's that's really my pitch for the moment. Yeah, and I said this on Twitter, but I want to say it again, that if Mavs fans are listening to this or anyone listening to this and you Maybe you have been following Kirk for a long time, or you just started following Kirk, or you started following the site. Uh, Kirk is the shadow, secret shadow broker of NBA Twitter. Uh, you know so many people, so many national guys, so many uh, prominent bloggers, writers, podcasters. Uh, your tentacles uh, have some far reach uh, that people might not not realize. And you know, I think you know you go into summer league a lot. Uh, definitely help play a big part of that. You know, you have relationships with a lot of really interesting uh, basketball, you know, media folk. And uh, I'm really looking forward. That's something I'm really looking forward to listening to, uh, hearing these, you know, national guys that aren't necessarily going to talk about the Mavs all the time, kind of get their take. And like you said, it's always good to get an outside perspective to kind of just hear something different than hearing the same thing that we're probably going to be talking about all the time over and over again. So 
I'm really excited to see you know where that goes and, and what you do with it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so let's let's hop right into kind of what we wanted to talk about. I mean, it's the dead of summer, so the fact yeah. that you guys are even listening to a podcast at all means you really must be a hardcore Mavs fan because football season's right around the corner, from what I'm told. Yeah, and uh, you've got you've got your Kansas City Chiefs, you've got Patrick Mahomes, so you're you're probably a little fired up about that. Certainly, probably more than NBA basketball in August. I mean, I'm trying like I'm trying to really like savor it because I grew up a Chiefs fan where they were like marginally pretty good, but they would always get smacked down in some way, shape, or form. So like now that they have like the the human cheat code that is Patrick Mahomes, I'm really excited. Then I just transition immediately into Luka Doncic and, and Chris Tapps Porzingis. Like I will not have it better as a sports fan. I don't <laughs> think in my life. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I mean, even for me, like. I know the Cowboys perpetually suck for most of my lifetimes, you know, since the the mid nineties. But Hey, we got, you know, Dak and stuff like he's not bad. You know, they got a kind of a young core going on over there too. So it's kind of exciting. Okay. Enough football. Let's get into, like you said, what we're going to talk about. So really the only thing that you can really talk about in the mid, you know, almost mid August here about the NBA is the schedule. Um, Maverick schedule came out with a, the whole NBA schedule came out on Monday and while I am not personally a big schedule guy, um, you know, in terms of trying to break down the schedule and and all that, I know it is interesting. And I know that, hey, it's August and this is what we have to talk about. Uh, I, I think, it, you know, the, going by what everyone else has kind of said and looking at the schedule and analyzing it, the Mavericks seem to have an OK schedule, um, not too rough in terms of maybe back to backs or. You know, I think I saw a tweet about most miles traveled this season. The Mavericks are in the middle of the pack, so nothing too horrible there. Um, you know, they have a – but they have some rough stretches, kind of similar to last season. You know, I think last season, middle of December, January, they went on a hellacious run that we said, okay, depending on how they get through this, this is if they're a playoff team or not. Uh, they lost a lot of those games, so they were not a playoff team. And it looks like this schedule – I know, Kirk, you've been talking about it on Twitter uh, – this schedule this year has another similar section in December and January where the Mavericks seemingly play a playoff team or a playoff caliber team almost every other day. Uh, So do you think that's that stretch uh, from mid December to about mid January, almost a month there? Do you think that's the make or break point of the season? And what are some of your other takeaways looking at it? Yeah, that's really going to be it. I think, you know, December looks really hard on paper, and we we should be concerned because the Mavericks were not very good as a road team last year, but they were very strong at home. So so that that's probably going to be the, the – we're going to know by mid-January if they're going to be, you know, even within that, that playoff hunt. What I'm actually really excited about is the start to the season. I, uh, I I don't have it in front of me, but I've looked at the you know the last three seasons of openings. So basically, every every year Harrison Barnes was on the team, and the Mavericks just did not get off to good starts. They were playing kind of extremely tough schedules, paired with you know the kind of weak teams that they were fielding. And so, it, as frustrating as it is to say, the Mavericks were essentially out of most playoff hunts uh, by mid November of the past three seasons. Dallas made a little bit of a run uh, last year where they went on like, I, I, it was, it was a pretty crazy stretch where they won like, 
I don't know, 13 or 15 games out of 20 where they really, they, they came with, they, they, they passed 500 and then they fell back under and then they floated around and then JJ Barea got hurt right after the start of the year and everything just kind of, kind of crashed and burned. Um, so the fact that they're, they have the potential, you know, playing, you know, they start the season playing the Washington Wizards. If they don't beat the Washington Wizards, then we should, we should be very concerned because the Wizards are going to be one of the three worst teams in the league this year. And then, you know, there's some playoff teams in the rush, but throughout, you know, uh, the first month, all the way, it's like the last week of October and then all of November, there are, there's a mix of, of playoff teams and non-playoff teams to where, you know, they should be able to, to stay above 500 or within 500. And then, you know, that January stretch or December stretch that, that you mentioned earlier is really going to be uh, uh, where things, you know, kind of come or go. There's no real soft spots in the schedule like last year. They have a, a six-game homestand to start 2020. But the first three games are against kind of weaker teams, and then they play Denver, the Lakers, Philadelphia, then they go to Golden State, then they go to Sacramento, then they play Portland, Clippers, Portland, Utah, Oklahoma City. I mean, my gosh, if if they get to the end of January within, let's just say, five games of 500, I think we should be ecstatic. For sure. And I think, uh, you know, you talk about those, that January schedule that, uh, right before those games you talked about to close December from December 16th to the end of the year at Milwaukee versus Boston, uh, home Boston at Philadelphia at Toronto, home San Antonio at Golden State at Los Angeles Lakers at Oklahoma City. So it is a month kind of all basically a month of pretty grueling basketball. And then, like you said, if they can get through the other side, they have, they definitely have a chance. And, you know, like you said, there, there aren't too many soft spots of the schedule. Uh, but if you wanted to call out a soft spot, you know, March and April definitely do not look too bad for a team that is hoping to sneak into the playoffs and try to win, uh, win some games and, and get into that eighth seed. You know, they, um, they play, there's Phoenix, Minnesota, Memphis, uh, Detroit, Oklahoma City, and March and April, uh, they play Phoenix. They they play Phoenix twice. Excuse me, they play Phoenix twice in March, which is pretty helpful. So, so yeah, you know, if they like you said, if they can get through that December January hellscape portion of the schedule, then they they could be pretty good. But it's so, like the thing about schedule predicting and stuff to me is we just don't you know we just don't know like we don't know where these teams are going to be, you know, injuries, you know, teams play above, above their level, below their level. We don't know who's going to disappoint or surprise us. So uh, that's kind of the part where, you know, I get a little hesitant to try to do too much predicting on, on what could happen with the season, but, but yeah, it's exciting that um, they get to open the season at home. You know, that's great against Washington. Like you said, should be one of the worst teams in the league. You know, it'd be really nice to have a packed crowd the first game of the season, showing off Luca and Kristaps, uh, and that and you know that'll be fun. You know, that's nice. Um, they're also on national TV, I believe, for non NBA TV games. They've got thirteen of those, and then I think when you add the NBA TV games, they're they're up to twenty. So thirteen non NBA TV games. That's pretty good, and I think you know that's that's Luca. 
that's Luca Magic starting to rub off and people getting more eyeballs on this team. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited about that. You know, last season they did not play many. It, they they played a number of games earlier in the schedule um, that were national televised games, and then down the stretch, uh, the Mavericks basically weren't on national TV at all. That's kind of normal. I listened to a podcast today. Howard Beck had two of the guys on from the NBA front office uh, where they talked about making the schedule. And I think the NBA does some of this on purpose where they will put teams that they are less confident or unsure about uh, making the playoffs. They'll kind of front load the national TV schedule with with uh, games that way. Um but with and that was certainly the case last year. This year, I'm not sure because I can't remember how the way the national games are spread out. But it, it's it's nice to see. You know, I consider 20 national games about right with where Dallas ought to be. The NBA also has the ability to flex some of these games in down the stretch. So if Dallas becomes you know one of these teams that's hot towards the playoffs, they're going to get subbed in for for teams that are that are falling out. I just I I think that's the natural order of things. Um, some of the some of the quirks in the schedule that I've kind of been entertained by, the Mavericks pe- play the Pelicans four times in the first twenty three games. Um, and when I had Matt Moore on my podcast, he uh, was very, very adamant about how he felt that the Pelicans were a better team, and that is is obviously remains to be seen. But I think that playing them four times in the first thirty games actually really benefits the Mavericks. Because so many of these guys on the Pelicans are brand new to playing with each other. And despite the fact that I feel they might have some some deeper talent uh, in the back part of their, you know, rotation compared to Dallas, like these are the sort those are the sorts of games early on where I think a Rick Carlisle coach team can surprise uh, perhaps a, a, a potentially more uh, thoroughly talented Pelicans team. So that's going to be kind of fun to watch. I think at least. One of those games is on national TV. Yeah, it's that first one um, on Friday, October 25th. Uh, and, and seeing like Zion against uh, the Mavericks is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, Zion versus Luka, you know, basically the two best the two best prospects in the league. Basic, I mean, since LeBron, it feels like. Or maybe Anthony Davis, if we want to go, go back. Mm-hmm. Not as far, so that's... That'll be like you said. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, good to see that 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 game's on ESPN as well. Um, you make a good point about playing New Orleans so many times early in the season, and I, I agree completely with that. They're a new team. They're still young. Uh, if you're if you're gonna play Zion, I guess it's best to play him, get it over with early. Until the more he plays and the more he figures it out and becomes more of a Terminator, uh, that's for the better. Um, so so yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, for, for me though, uh, you know, that's about it in terms of interesting things. You know, I just, <laughs> I don't want to be a wet blanket. I'm just not a big schedule guy, but, uh, you know, what else is there to talk about in August during an NBA Well, I, I'll tell you one thing I'm actually excited about as I look through the schedule. I see precisely there are two West Coast road trips and none of these games are going to kill us. Um, I complain as a, a from a person who lives on the East Coast. Those West Coast start times 
just kill me. I'm so old. And, 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 you know, staying up to like one 30 in the morning and then having to write about the game. I'm really, there's only two of those. And I think, uh, they don't actually happen until 2020, uh, which I do feel like we can convince our uh, editor in chief, Rebecca, that she will have to do some of the coverage of those games. Um, so that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like scoping that out really far in advance so I can know, uh, what to whine about really, you know, re, you know, just have it on my calendar. Yeah, if we want to get inside baseball, uh, whining about West Coast games for Central and East Coast time zone bloggers is a rite of passage. It is a really, it's one of our favorite things to do. And I'm right there with you. I just, and you're even worse because you're on the East Coast. At least I get an extra hour. But yeah, those are rough. And uh, our fearless editor-in-chief, Rebecca, who lives in California, we will definitely be leaning on her for some of those games. But Kirk, if that's is that it all for for your schedule, or uh, we could kind of wind into our first break and we can uh, talk about a, an article that is six years old. If we want to talk about something very timely and and current, let's do that. All right, we'll be right back. And we are back, the Maz Moneyball Podcast. I am here with fellow editor Kirk Henderson. Just finished up some riveting schedule talk. Uh, um, <clears throat> we are now switching gears because, like I've said countless times, it is the middle of August and there's not a lot to talk about in the NBA. So why don't we talk about something I wrote about six years ago, uh, almost six years to the date, August 8th, 2013. Um, this was, I wrote a column uh, following the Mavericks free agency moves in the summer of 2013. Surprisingly, uh, backing the Mavericks. I know a lot of you people think that uh, I hate everything that they do, but surprise, uh, I actually think that they make <clears throat> a decent amount of good moves since I've been following the team over twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen was the was the the quote unquote plan powder summer, right? That was the Dwight Howard summer. That was uh, give Dwight Howard a comic book presentation and hope he signs with your team. Summer. <laughs> uh, oh, we've come such a long way. Uh, we have. So the thing that got me miffed six years ago and the, the kind of the crux of the article that I wrote was after the Mavericks made their moves, which the moves they made after Dwight uh, said no and went to Houston, they signed Jose Calderon to a four-year deal. And then they signed Monte Ellis to a three-year deal um, the numbers, it's kind of funny looking back at the numbers. Cause this is like before the giant salary cap spike, uh, you know, that led to Kevin Durant being on the Warriors. For instance, Jose Calderon's four was, it was four years, 28 million, which right now is like, <laughs> is like, uh, fake paper money, like, uh, to NBA teams. Uh, so it's kind of funny to think that people were getting bent out of shape over that contract, but Hey, the cap was different. Times were different. Um, so the crux, of, like I said, the crux of the article is that a lot of people were very down on what the Mavericks did, and it seemed not to be based on the fact that the players they got, whether or not they were good, but it was more that they gave them these big, somewhat lengthy contracts that would eat into their cap space in the next two or three years. And my whole thing, and I'm, I'm nothing if not consistently on brand, as you know, I detest the Mavericks hoarding cap space. And I would much rather they overpay players to bring them into Dallas and have good players and have good teams because to me, cap space is imaginary asset. It is something that you can create when you need it has proven almost time and time again, every summer 
when these capped out teams want to make a move and a free agent says, hey, I want to go there. Even if the team is capped out, they find a way to open up the space. They trade draft picks. They uh, offload some nasty contracts that everyone says is untradeable, but then all of a sudden uh, teams are able to trade them. So everyone was pretty down on Calderon and Monte Ellis because they were worried that the Mavericks have eaten in too much of their cap space and they can't make uh, bigger moves down the stretch. And my whole thing was I would rather have less cap space and good players than more cap space and no good players, which is the path the Mavericks were dangerously uh, staring at, especially with Dirk still being an all-star level talent back in 2013. Uh, they needed to win as many games as they could with Dirk. They owed it to him. Um, they could only sit out so many summers. You know, they sit, they sat out basically the previous summer to try to get Dwight Howard. You know, they couldn't really do it again. And uh, what do you know? They signed Calderon and they signed Monte Ellis and the team is better uh, than the previous year. They win 49 games. And of course, uh, the Calderon contract ends up not being a big bother and is actually used to trade for Tyson Chandler, uh, which is funny. You know, seems like contracts just seem to be tradable nowadays or it's always been like that. Uh, so that's kind of what I was writing about. And I, and I just kind of went on a rant against a lot of people that were saying the Mavericks had a bad offseason because they used up so much of their cap space on these players. And my whole thing is. Like the NBA, NBA teams are not all the same. You know, we don't, there's not a universe where all these teams uh, have the exact same circumstance and all these players mean the exact same to each team. You know, the situations matter, the context matters. And four years for Jose Calderon on that Mavericks team was good. It was maybe if you were a rebuilding team, it's not good, but the Mavericks were not that at all. Uh, and he was a useful player for them. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what the article was about. And it just made me laugh thinking about it the other day uh, last week because it's basically the same argument I've been having this past off season, where people were trying to tell me that the Mavericks shouldn't have spent their cap their cap room on these role players. You know, they don't want to overpay these role players, and instead they didn't really get much. You know, they got uh, Seth Curry, Boban, and and Delon Wright. Uh, it feels like we're kind of in a loop. Uh, the same thing seems to keep happening. Uh, or at least my my thoughts on free agency is seems to be the same. Uh, so, Kirk, you wanted to talk about this, especially. I've rambled on long enough. Uh, what did you want to talk about this? Because when I sh- shared this with you, you you said yes. Let's get on a podcast. Let's talk about this. Well, I just think it's it's a little bit interesting in the sense of we all have like these strong and and really when I say we, what I mean is me because I'm just uh, obscenely opinionated about this. I, I just have this really strong opinion on how Dallas should approach team building, and they continue to not care what I have to say, uh, which you know is frustrating. But that's really the nature of this because why should anybody care what Kirk's opinions are about team building? But it's it's just sort of interesting. In, when we look back that, you know, they may, they continue to aim a little higher than they should, which is a little bit frustrating. But when you look at these sorts of moves over the long haul, they do know what they're doing with a certain kind of player, uh, where I'm interested in seeing where they go from here, uh, as, as compared to, you know, six years ago is we were the Mavericks were fighting the tide in 2013. It was a slow, you know, the 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 water was rising inch by inch. Dirk was getting older. The players that they signed, even though 2013, 2014 was a really, really fun year, 
it was really like the last truly fun year for, uh, of Mavericks basketball. They made the playoffs one more time, but it was a different kind of struggle with Chandler Parsons and just the way that whole team was structured. So it's 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 funny looking back to see what they did because now, you know, despite my kind of frustration with aspects of their offseason, like the reality is they're in a pretty good spot. Um, I, I do kind of wonder how they're going to improve the roster uh, outside of, of, you know, simply players getting better. But I do think that I, I, I tend to, to hand wave at the front office's creativity in season, which is not something I should do. Like the, there's just a historical track record of Donnie Nelson in season being able to do something. Now, whether that's good or bad, it's kind of for the history books. But like, I think, you know, uh, a friend of the program, Ben Collins, makes a really interesting point in that if the Mavericks are even within a stone's throw of 500 and or the playoffs by around the trade deadline, then they might be buyers. And that's just not something I consider when I think about this, because the in-season availability of stuff is not a thing of guys is not something I ever really let. Uh, enter my thinking because then I'm just not good at that. You know, our, our friend Dalton is really good about uh, uh, like the butterfly effect of NBA trades where he can just, you know, envision three or four different scenarios. And like, that gives me like, like anxiety because the, <laughs> I'm just not really built to think about those sorts of things. So I, I, I wanted to, you know, talk about this article and, you know, talk about where they've gone and where they're going just because I, I do think like the cyclical nature of where, of, of the way that the team approaches free agency is really worth discussing um, just because, and, and because, you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you, you know, like I, the last time we talked on this podcast, we had very different <laughs> tones and, and temperament. So I think it's good to kind of reset after the, the very disappointing, you know, first week or so of free agency and kind of look back at what they did and, you know, I think me and you both agree that the moves that they made were good moves, but, you know, there's always more to be had, especially with Mavericks and free agency. And you're right, you know, the in-season trade has been a almost a staple for this team over the last five years. You know, you look at uh, whether, you know, good, like you said, good or bad, you know, they had the Rondo trade, the Noel trade, the Kristaps trade. Those are three pretty big trades to make in-season, you know, whether they worked or not. You know, we can discuss that later, but in terms of the impact that they made and, and the noteworthiness of the trades at the time, you know, those were big, you know, team altering moves. Um, and so, you know, we can't discount that. And I'm I'm like you, I'm a little bit of the same way. It's really hard for me to look ahead for trades because it is so hard to know circumstances and, and things like that. You know, I'm just not as good as it. Some people, like you said, like Dalton. Some people are way better at it. Uh, I'm I'm with you, and that it's hard for me to to kind of predict that because it's it's really on the whims of these players who might decide that they're grumpy one day and that they're okay the next, which is totally fine. But you know, it's hard to it's hard to predict that. Um, but it just made me reading this article from six years ago just kind of made me laugh because you know, just the idea that the Mavericks should hoard cap space i think if we've learned anything over the last six years like that is absolutely not the way to go um the mavericks need to have the, the mavericks need to overpay to get good players because they are not miami they are not new york and they are not la and those are basically the three teams that can afford to maybe not overpay if they if uh, they so choose 
But in terms of that, everyone else, you know, you kind of have to pay more. You need to pay more to get guys to leave their comfort zone, to leave the teams that they've been playing on, to come to a new city, a new team, move their family, perhaps, if they have one. You know, that's kind of the price. That's the tax you have to pay. You know, we talk about the Tim Hardaway Jr. tax for Kristaps. Well, if you want to bring in good role players, you have to offer four years instead of three, or you have to offer, you know, 45 million instead of 30, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. And reading this article from six years ago just kind of made me laugh because it was like, well, why would they give Calderon for, you know, they, they overpaid Calderon. They should have got him for cheaper. And it's like that, you know, that universe doesn't exist. You know, they can't necessarily get him for cheaper because cheaper, he probably stays where he's at or he goes to another team. Maybe, you know, you got to overpay good players to get them to come to your team. And, uh, that's kind of, I feel that I felt that way six years ago and I still feel that way now. And I guess the big difference though, is like you said, 2013, they're fighting against the tide. They're trying to stave off rebuilding for as long as possible. And now, you know, 2019, they are through the other side, they have rebuilt and they have their two young stars. Uh, so the free agency, maybe, you know, maybe it just doesn't matter as much anymore. You just got to let see what Luca and KP have. And then you go from there. Yeah, I I I'm just much more settled now than I was even a couple of weeks ago. I I I feel pretty good about the way the season might go. I've been and will probably continue to be a, a pessimistic in my 240 character bites on Twitter because right now I'm really thinking about the minutia of problems. Uh, but you know, as, as we get into things, I'm going to, I'm going to try to really, you know, adjust my thinking because like we said in the beginning of the podcast, the, the schedule is such to where if they get off to a, 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 a at least a mediocre start, then I'm going to feel good about the way things can go. Um, before we get out of here, cause we're, we're fairly close to the half hour mark. I wanted to ask you, uh, if you have any thoughts about some of the, the Mavericks, uh, player social media stuff over the summer. Like in particular, I want to know what you think about Luca and some of the photos we're seeing of him, because like, I'm trying not to let my thought, like, I, I think he looks phenomenal and I don't know how to process <laughs> that just because like at this point last year, the dude was wearing a t-shirt under thing under, under his jersey. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's my hot, somewhat hot take. It might not actually be that hot take, but I think Slovenia, the national team, getting eliminated from uh, World Cup play this summer, you know, sometime last year they got eliminated from World Cup play, that that might end up being one of the best things to ever happen to Luca's career because, you know, as we saw, Luca, you know, took vacation time, he was on the boat. And then right about now, you know, they'd, he'd be in training camp if Slovenia was playing this summer. And there's no way there's no way you can convince me that he would be doing what he's doing to his body right now if he had to play national team games this summer. There's just I just don't believe it. And it's not necessarily a knock on Luca. It's just it's hard. It, working on your body like that is very hard and it's very strenuous and it takes a lot of time. And NBA players that are playing international ball over the summer just don't always get that time like especially a player like Luca who's on the rise and has other commitments and has other things he has to take care of. You know, the NBA offseason isn't as long uh, as we kind of think, you know, it might seem long to us as we're starved for content, but for these players, there's really not that much time. If you've got international play, if you've got other stuff going on, you know, so uh, I'm tickled to death that, you know, I, yeah, I'm sure if we have any of our Slovenian friends that are listening to the podcast that I know, check out the site. 
I'm sure they're very disappointed that, you know, Luca doesn't get to show off his skills internationally this summer, but man, it might, I seriously might think it's the best thing that's going to happen in his NBA career because, you know, guys this early in their career don't often get the chance to work on their bodies like this. Um, you know, we saw with Giannis, it took him a couple of years to really get it. And, you know, I'm not saying Luca's there yet, but the fact that he kind of gets a head, an early head start uh, with the summer, uh, it's pretty awesome. Well, I've also been thinking about this in the context of the two-part series that Baxter Holmes of ESPN did about youth basketball culture in America. And really, it focused on a lot of the injuries that doctors are seeing, which, you know, I'm a man in my mid-30s. I, my body is destroyed after playing basketball for, you know, 12 straight years when I was a you know junior high, high school, and a little bit of college. I can't even imagine what a truly high-level player experiences. And the fact that, that he's gotten this chunk of time to uh, rest, rebuild, and really start working on his body is only going to pay dividends. I'm just really kind of interested to see what this means on the court, though, because he was so strong last year. Like, that was one of the things that really stood out to everybody who watched was his ability to take contact. Like, I was just screwing around on basketball reference, and I just somehow missed the fact that Luka Doncic was the 10th. Uh, he was 10th in, in free throw uh free throw attempts per game in the entire NBA uh, as a rookie. And that's largely due to how strong he was and his ability to, to absorb and sell contact. So it's like, what happens when this guy comes in looking like he does right now? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. I, I uh, see, this is why I, did, I shouldn't have even brought it up. Cause I'm kind of like, I'm fawning. Cause this is just going to be, you know, it's, 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 it's a little, it's fairly exciting. No, it's fun. Uh, and you're right about the strength. Uh, I remember when they played the Lakers the first time and LeBron, I, I can't remember what went in the game and happened, but LeBron drove right at Luka and kind of did the LeBron thing where he dips his shoulder and tries to run you over like a freight train. And he bumped and he kind of created space and bumped Luka off of him. But anyone else, that guy, you know, would have been flying toward the baseline underneath the basket. And Luca just kind of got knocked off a little bit, came back in and contested and, and LeBron missed the shot. And that was when I was like, Whoa, this guy, this guy really is pretty strong. Like this is different than a lot of, you know, a lot of the string bean uh, wings we see come into the league, you know, out of college or, or from international ball too. you know, Luca's body is just built differently. And yeah, if he can keep that strength and then get in better shape so that, when he is shooting his 30 foot step back threes in the fourth quarter, he doesn't seem like he's about to pass out. Uh, yeah. That's, that's crazy to think about. And uh, yeah, like I said, him, him having that summer off uh, just feels, it feels really lucky, especially when you consider, you know, how many summers do we really think he's going to be able to get off in the next 10 years? Because you have to imagine, you know, his Slovenian team will you know, compete in other tournaments and other international play. You know, they're not always going to get knocked out. So just kind of feels like a weird blessing for him to be able to, to have this time to work on his body. Well, before we before we go, um, because it's somehow almost 11 o'clock my time, I wanted to ask you something that I've actually saved from asking you in Slack. Are you what are you doing with the non, you know, basketball sucks up so much of our time in season. What are, are you watching anything? Are you playing any games? Like, what are you doing with the time now? over the summer? <laughs> uh, well, as you know, I am very bad about TV. You ask me about TV stuff all the time and I'm like, what? Uh, 
so I'm very, I'm horrible. Like I'm horrible. I just don't watch TV. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I'm very impatient and I can't handle, like I can't handle starting something and not knowing how it ends sure. within the same sitting. And that's like, a, so I love, you know, I love going to the movies, you know, it's start to finish. I get the story told, but like with a TV show, I cannot wait, you know, two or three months or however long it takes to, for a TV season. Like I just can't do it. Uh, so I'm not watching TV, um, catching up on movies, going to the movies theater. I love going to movies. Uh, so that's been nice, but you know me, I'm, you see me probably online on Xbox way too often, but I've been playing a lot of games. Uh, for me, it's been a lot of apex legends cause I'm very into, I'm a very competitive person and I feel like video games have been a really nice outlet for me because you know, that was sports before, you know, I played basketball in high school and junior high and I did intramural in college. And now that I'm older and we've, you know, we all got, we got our eight to five office jobs and other responsibilities, you know, I just don't get to shoot hoops or play hoops that often. So I feel like video games, I play a lot of competitive video games and that kind of, kind of satisfies my bloodlust there because I could be a super competitive person. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing this summer. Um, man, what else about, that's about it. Um, trying to make sure that, you know, me and my wife get to do stuff, <laughs> which could be hard to do during the yeah. season. Um, but yeah, what about you? So I'm going to make two recommendations and then we can then we can hop off here. First uh, is this German Netflix show called Dark. It's um, it's like 16 total episodes, I think. It, it, I watch it with the subtitles because the dubbed version was tremendously bad. But it's this super weird, just like well thought out family drama that also happens to be about time travel. Um, and so it just it, it's all over the place. And like I got my wife to watch it and she normally kind of rolls her eyes at this stuff, but she likes it. And then I started another show just like two days ago on Amazon called The Boys. And it's basically a incredibly cynical look at what would happen if superheroes were real. And like what if if there were a bunch of them, like three or four hundred and it is it's got Carl Urban in it. And it's really like it's laugh out loud funny while also being kind of like like disturbing as hell. Um, I, I think you'd really like it considering some of your Christopher Nolan, uh, love. So that, that's my, that's my, my, my recommendation before we hop off is what people could do to pass the time before basketball comes back. Oh yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of recommendations for the, a lot of my friends in our other group chats have been giving me that as well. So I, I it's only 10 episodes out. and you know, you like, it's one of these things Maybe where I, do I, I start it and I'm like, Oh God, I have to go to bed. It's one in the morning. Yeah. Shit. So. <laughs> well, I'll try to. I'll try to do that one. I gotta. I gotta watch at least. Like I missed Game of Thrones. I didn't do Mad Men. I didn't do Breaking Bad. Like I'm horror. Like I'm terrible. <laughs> I. I don't know anything about the culture. I have no idea what the Ringer is talking about every other day. Like I just don't know. I'm so out of, Al, out of these, touch. These I'll, shows I'll that are smaller bits, like. 8 to 12 episodes are a lot more digestible for me like the network tv format where it's like 24 episodes like i that that's just too overwhelming and i don't know like how like i used to watch like all 170 something episodes of star trek like i don't know how i did that crap so <laughs> well very good kirk let me let you go to bed or yeah I, I actually you you have or you have more podcast recording i think Aren't yeah, yeah, yeah. Check. So <laughs> I, I feel like so today's Tuesday. Your show will probably go up tomorrow, and then yep. mine may go up Friday. 
Yeah. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, listen to Kirk's podcast, Kirk, Your Enthusiasm, the best name. Uh, find the Photoshop uh, that was done. Very well done. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we will try to be back uh, on a more regular basis, you know, when the season starts. But, you know, we will keep popping in over the summer as things come up. And we have things to talk about, like six-year-old Mavs Moneyball articles. So, Kirk, yeah. <laughs> thanks again for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. Yep. And this is your listen to the Mavs Moneyball podcast. We will see you next time.